0: Light is a good thing, isn't it? Light is, is a good thing. If you have endured a number of overcast days, it's awesome when the sun finally comes out, isn't it? Or if you've ever been you know, trapped in, in a dark place for a while, when, when the light finally comes, there's a huge relief when the light finally comes on and, and, and gives you light. And so light can bring relief, light can bring joy, life can bring comfort, light can bring comfort, relief, joy, doesn't it? But on the other hand, now, now just think about a different way, you're, I don't know, you're sleeping in, it's, it's, you're trying to sleep or something and the lights are out, um, so there are times when you are in the darkness and all of a sudden the light gets switched on and it, what, it hurts your eyes, doesn't it? In, in, in fact, a bright flash of light even can give you a headache if it's too much too soon so uh, sometimes when light comes on suddenly and you've been living in darkness, light can actually hurt your eyes um, if you've been if you've grown so accustomed to the darkness light can uh, it can it can hurt it can Annoy you, it can even repel you, can't it? So, light can produce two very different reactions. All right, let's let's keep that in mind as we work through this text from Acts today. Our text catches up with Paul and Barnabas, who had begun traveling around the world telling everyone about Jesus being crucified and risen. And they were now in Antioch, in Galatia. If you might remember from last fall, we went through, we spent all those weeks going through Galatians. This is Central city in Galatia. They were in Antioch, but this is their first time there. And they had just shared the gospel, they had shared that message there in the synagogue the week before and had been invited to come back the following Sabbath and speak more about that gospel message. And, and that's where we, uh, that's where we pick up. On the next Sabbath, so this is the next week, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. So the Word of God had done its work. The week before, after they had shared the message the week before, now for the whole week, people were, they were thinking about what they had heard. They were talking about it. They were, um, they were getting excited about it. They were telling other people about it. So much so that when the following Sabbath day came, um, basically the whole city, Jews and Gentiles, crammed themselves into that synagogue to hear more about it. So the Gospel was attracting people to its light. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Okay, so some Jews were jealous that, that all these people had gathered to hear about the message of salvation through Jesus Instead of the message of salvation through the holy law of Moses. They were jealous for what they thought was the truth. And so they began to contradict Paul's message. They began to speak uh, against it. And and the word there is actually blaspheme. They began to blaspheme Paul's message. And and so um, they contradicted Paul and, and Barnabas. They actually interrupted them. And remember, Paul and Barnabas were guests. So they interrupted them. They put a stop to their little message, their little sermon. And because they were guests, that uh, that meant that they had to leave. Paul and Barnabas had to leave. So the question is, what happened to some of those Jews during the course of the week? Because what we read just verses before this and... Is, is that they had been favorably disposed. They enjoyed, uh, they, they were they impressed with what they heard and they invited Paul and Barnabas to come back and speak some more about it. So they were excited about it. But now a week later, we hear something completely different. So what happened? What seemed to have happened is that they, for that whole week, were under the influence of unbelieving rabbis throughout the course of the week. So much so that now they had their opinions Their beliefs changed. And now, one week later, they saw Paul's message about Jesus as something evil. And they began to speak against it. Look what can happen during the course of a week. How are you and I influenced throughout the course of a week uh, by different teachers, by different rabbis? We, we gather here, right? We gather here for a couple hours. Uh, we maybe hopefully gather in our small groups. And, and when we gather like this, we get re-strengthened in Jesus. But what about all the rest of the time during the week? I mean, how many more hours the rest of the week are we being um, surrounded by and filled by and kind of you know immersed in all kinds of other voices and influence, influences and, and opinions that contradict everything we learn here or in our small groups or in our Bible studies. I mean, there, there's a lot out there, right? We, we're, we're being influenced by rabbis. Well, rabbis is the word for teacher. We're being influenced by rabbis the moment we step out of these doors, the moment we step away from the Word of God, um, all over the place in our lives. Think about it. There, there are rabbis on your car radio. Um, giving you their take on life. News shows, uh, talk shows, radio shows, influencing what you think, influencing what you believe. It might even be a Christian teacher or preacher who isn't really teaching about Christ. Maybe, you, maybe at work all week long you sit across, or at school, you sit across from a, a rabbi who, who is giving you their opinions all week long. Um, you, you get emails, news posts, blog posts, opinion pieces from everywhere all around you. Maybe you have a, a friend, maybe you have a brother or a sister who, who really isn't that good of an influence on you. And, and so all week long, all of this stuff fills your heart, fills your mind, all week long, influencing you Filling you up. And so now by the time the next week rolls around, now by the time Sunday rolls around, your excitement level about going back to church maybe isn't so great. And even if you do, now you come here with, with a new filter that you're going to listen to the truth with. A, new, a whole new chip on your shoulder. A whole new uh, newfound burden of guilt that you're dealing with because you've been listening to different rabbis all week long. Well, we, maybe, I think we have a good thing going here if you aren't going to throw me out at this point. Because Paul and Barnabas were getting thrown out. Okay, so fine. They were going to leave, but not without a parting word of explanation. In, in dramatic fashion, Paul and Barnabas announced to the Jews that now they were going to take this message of new life to the Gentiles. They were going to take this message of new life to what would be the real Israel, the, the, the spiritual Israel. And this was a very dramatic moment in history that was prophesied about in the Scriptures. So fine, they said, we're going we're to leave, we're going to go, but, but what you're doing by kicking us out, this has been prophesied. This is, it said this would happen. They said, we had to speak the Word of God to you first. Okay, This was the plan, that we're going to start with... The Jewish people. We're going to start there and go out. We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. The gospel had been shared with these Jews. But they were responsible for rejecting it. They considered themselves, actually the word is judged themselves. They judged themselves unworthy of eternal life. Not Paul. Paul didn't. They did. They rejected. They pushed away the gospel of Jesus. I'm going to be as direct as I can with you. If you are religious, or if if you believe in God, if you love Jesus, if you go to church, If you list Christian in the space of which faith you belong to, but do not believe that you are a sinner who has horribly failed living the life that God has intended you to live, but by His amazing mercy, Jesus, the Son of God, died for your sins and rose again to save you. If you don't believe that, you are judging yourself as unworthy of eternal life. Christianity isn't about going to church and being good. It is about me believing that I am a damned sinner who has been given forgiveness through Jesus because of the mercy of a very gracious God. That is what the message of new life is about. And that, one who believes in that, is what a Christian is. So, Paul... Uh, quotes Isaiah 49, the Old Testament scriptures, and he quotes out of the Septuagint, which is the the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Isaiah 49, 6. And it says, For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. He's quoting the Old Testament scriptures, and the you both times there is Singular. It it changes in Greek. It's not just the same word. It it was singular. So I have made you the light for the Gentiles, the light that brings salvation to the ends of the earth, who is the you, singular you. This is Jesus. The Isaiah passage is clearly talking about Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light uh, for the Gentiles. Jesus is the one who brings salvation to the ends of the earth. But Paul said the Lord commanded us, Jesus is the light, but the Lord has commanded us, I have made you a light for the world. So we who believe the gospel and who share the gospel with others are light for the Gentiles. We are salvation. We are the ones who bring salvation to the end of the earth. Isn't that awesome? I mean, we aren't Jesus. The light of the world, but we are light. We we don't just carry the light; we are light. I'm not contradicting the uh, the vicar's kids' message here. Okay, we are not the source of the light. We're like the mirror that reflects the light. But when you're looking at light in a mirror, are you seeing the mirror? Or you're seeing the light. You're seeing the light. So the light of Jesus that is reflected off of us is the same light. We are that light. We have nothing without the source of that light. We're just an empty mirror. But we are light. And we are carrying that out. We don't just carry light. We are light. And I think that's an important distinction we need to remember. Uh, My family and I recently watched uh, the series Robin Hood on TV. And one of the things that hit me as the story went along was, was how uh, close that his merry band of followers got to each other. Kind of what a band of, you know, how close of a, a bond there was there. And they were not only devoted to, to Robin Hood, but also to his cause, that of freeing England from the tyranny of evil. And, and there were times as, as the stories went along where, where Robin would be captured. Um, or, or just kind of out of the picture for a while. And at first, initially, that caused them, uh, the others, it caused them a lot of fear and anxiety when they thinking about um, going on some daring rescue mission, some daring mission without him. But eventually, after time, they realized, we are Robin Hood. I mean, his cause is ours. Yes, he's our leader. Yes, he can do things with a with a bow that, that we can't do. But we are doing the same things that he is doing. We have the same goal. And um, Robin Hood is more than just a person. Robin Hood is an idea. Robin Hood is a cause. It's a cause for good. And so... They started kind of saying they they got this expression that they use like as their motto, I guess to, to get them psyched up, and they would say, "We are Robin Hood." They realized they were it was part of a, it wasn't just the one person it was part of a bigger picture. We are Robin Hood. Paul is essentially saying the same thing about Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world who who um, saved us from the tyranny of evil and slavery to sin. But we are now the ones that get to carry that message out to the world. In a sense, we are Jesus to the world. Jesus is light. We are light. Friends, we who fight for Jesus, we who carry the gospel message of Jesus in our hearts and live it out in our lives. Our light to the Gentiles. Light to the ends of the earth. Light that brings salvation to the world. We are Jesus to this world around us. We are light because we carry His light in us and we are that light and people are going to see Jesus as they see our lives. So let's let that light shine. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the Word of the Lord, and all who appointed for, all who were appointed for eternal life believed. So, so no doubt uh, this, as Paul was quoting Isaiah and kind of showing them that now this message is going to the Gentiles, no doubt this made those, those Jews even more furious, but the Gentiles rejoiced, and they were praising God for his word. Their joy came the, from the fact that they had been chosen from the beginning, by God, to believe. They were rejoicing. They were rejoicing because because now this gift was theirs. They rejoiced that that God had opened wide a door that before was only maybe open a crack. I mean, they had heard the law before, but they hadn't heard the gospel, the good news of the risen Jesus. That, That they could be called children of God without having to be circumcised or without having to go through all those other ceremonial customs that the Jewish people had. This, by the way, I mean this is where that whole Galatian thing started, okay? Right here in Antioch. And then you get this—you get a very heavy dose of theology here. Here we go. All who were appointed for eternal life believed. Oh, what does that mean? The Scriptures clearly teach—not just here. This is a very clear uh, phrase. The Scriptures, throughout the Scriptures, clearly teach the doctrine—doctrine doctrine of election—to comfort believers. And that's this, before time began, God chose you to be his child. We, we can't wrap our puny little human minds around that, but before time began, it, so if you're ever feeling like, you know, some doubt or some, oh man, you know, do, does God really love me or, you know, do I really have faith? When, when, you're, when you're there, this is what you need to hear. Before time began, God chose you to be his child. And then in the course of time, in this case, somewhere between the late 1900s, early 2000s, sometime in time as you lived on this earth, God then brought you to faith with His Holy Spirit. He brought you to faith in the promises that He's given us through Jesus. So before time began, He chose you. And then somewhere during the course of your life, He brought you to faith in His promises. So all the credit for your faith goes to God. Alright? He chose you. no one but God could make such an appointment. No one but God could do that, could they? Those Gentiles in Antioch, they didn't bring themselves to faith. Okay? God chose them. They had been chosen by God from eternity. So if you believe, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, God gets all the credit. But if you reject, if you reject Jesus, you are condemned and all the blame goes to you. Remember, those Jews who had been speaking out against the gospel, they had judged themselves unworthy of eternal life. No one else had. They had judged themselves. They had counted themselves out. Alright? So if you don't believe, it's your fault. Because God wants you to be His child. If you do believe, give God every last bit of the credit because it is a gift from Him. That's for our comfort. Then here's what happens. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. So the Jews and the Gentiles who had become believers, they couldn't help but telling other people about Jesus. They were the light that was bringing salvation to the ends of the earth in their words and in their lives, in the way they lived, in everything they did. The light was spreading. And the same thing happens, my friends, when we are light. That's what happens. It spreads. You, he, you saw our intern flip the mirror around. Okay? Okay? And then the light disappears. But when we are light, when we live this life that Jesus has given us, when that love comes alive in our life because our Lord and Savior is alive, then that light spreads throughout the world. Okay, but here's what happens. We're getting toward the end of the text. But the Jews incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So the Jewish rabbis, they had influence with the God-fearing women of high standing. Why? Because they were called God-fearing women because they were in church. They went to the synagogue. So their rabbis had influence over them. All right? So the rabbis influenced them to... they incited them against Paul and Barnabas. But now the women, they had influence with the leading men of the city because the women were women of high standing. So they were able to then influence the leading men of the city and they incited them against Paul and Barnabas. And lo and behold, say goodbye to prayer in schools and Christmas trees on public property because Paul, Barnabas, and Christianity now is officially kicked out. It's a lot easier than refuting the truth, isn't it? Same thing is true today. If if you can't refute the truth, if you can't prove Christianity wrong, and you can't, then you do the next best thing, which is a whole lot easier, right? You kick it out. You drive it out. You outlaw it. You 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 uh, remove it from schools, from public places, from civilized conversations between people, and of course from greetings uh, for holidays where you now celebrate snow and reindeer and elves and magic bunnies that lay eggs. People don't want to always hear about Jesus, do they? They don't always want to hear about Jesus' miraculous birth, His gruesome death, or His victorious resurrection. And so now it was time for Paul and Barnabas to move on. <clears throat> so, they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them. Now why did they do that? Because Jesus told them to do that. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 14, Jesus said, when this happens, you shake the dust off your feet and you leave. So what was that? We don't do that, right? What, what was that? It basically was a dramatic gesture which, which, said, which basically said, I have told you what you need to hear, but you didn't want to hear it. You wanted none of it, so we're done talking now. And I have no more responsibility toward you. And, and just to show you how serious that is, I'm going to shake the dust off of my sandals so it doesn't stick to me. Because your rejection of God is so awful, that even the soil from your land would be defiling to me. Whoa. We don't do that today. We're, we're too politically correct. What would we do today? Brush the lint off our shirts? No, we would, uh, we would wash our hands with antibacterial soap. <laughs> Here's what my grandpa did. My, my gran- you got to understand, my grandpa was a pastor for 60 years. Seriously. Um, and, and never a day in his life. He wore nothing but a suit and a tie. Old school. And there was, this, there was this man that he was ministering to who had been, he had kind of stopped coming to church and was, was living an outwardly sinful life, showing, just showing there's no faith in Jesus there anymore and, and uh, that he was really removing himself from, from God's grace. And so my grandpa had been working with him, uh, trying to bring him back. The man wanted none of it. So it was, it was kind of time for that last attempt, that last message. And so my grandpa walked up to his door with a suit and tie. And knocks on his door and the man comes out and, and, and Grandpa basically says, you are counting yourself uh, unworthy of eternal life. You have, you're placing yourself outside of God's grace. You, you're rejecting Christ by your faith, by your, by your lifestyle. The man began swearing at my grandpa and slammed the door in his face. Member of his church. Slammed the door in his face. So my grandpa walked back down to his car but about halfway there, he stopped, turned around, walked back up to the man's door, knocks on the door, the man comes out, and my grandpa, there were ties, he unties, unties his black dress shoes, and shakes off the dust at the man's porch. Without saying a word, walks back to his car. Now, Not long after that, that, that man was back in church. Going on, one more verse. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is the rest of them. Paul and Barnabas, they had just shaken the dust of their feet off and left. These are the ones who stayed in Antioch. You better believe they had to endure some sufferings after Paul and Barnabas left. Um, Can you imagine? The Jews... The Jews were going to persecute them till they quit, but here 's the, what they didn 't expect it had the opposite effect. the Holy Spirit filled them with joy. and they were just getting who knows what the, were they were getting I mean they were getting pressure from every side the, all the leading people of the city, their neighbors, but they're, the Holy Spirit filled them with joy that 's what the Holy Spirit does and um, Paul and Barnabas had been expelled, but the gospel had not. There's going to be, later on, there's going to be a letter from Paul to the church in Galatia. All right? The gospel created joy in the hearts of these people. The same thing he does for us, for you and me. Four lessons we're going to take home from this text today. Okay? Number one, we need light to live. We need light to live. Uh, sometimes, uh, light seems good to those who want it, and other times light seems harmful to those who don 't want light, but it doesn 't matter because light we need light to live and, 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 and sometimes, when people have been living in darkness, they, the light hurts the light they don 't want to see the light they don 't so we are light, we are the light of Jesus, and we are bringing that into the world, but sometimes people are going to shield their eyes from you. Because what you have to say to them and the life that you live in front of them is going to hurt. It's going to hurt their eyes a bit for a while. And so it doesn't always go well. But other times, friends, you're going to bring the greatest joy into the lives of those who've been living in darkness. We need light to live. Number two, what influences us is important. Okay, maybe we immerse ourselves in the Word of God uh, once or twice a week, maybe. How many hours the rest of the week are we being immersed in and influenced by contrary voices and opinions? (laughs) Filled with that stuff, we hang out with those people, it's being poured into our lives. We are foolish. We are foolish if we think that that is not going to affect us. Let's let the Word of God influence us daily. What influences us is important. Number three, sometimes you have to shake the dust off your feet, okay? Not everyone is going to like to hear what you have to say about Jesus. Do not let them, do not give them the impression that that is okay. Let them know how serious it is. And then this, be comforted yourself knowing that it is not your fault. It is not your responsibility, finally. It's their responsibility. You're leaving it at their feet. You're leaving that dirt at their feet. That's, it's their fault. You don't need to carry that around. You've done what God asked you to do. Sometimes we need to shake the dust from our feet. And four, the joy we have even in hard times comes from the Holy Spirit. How can we have joy when it seems that everything is going wrong? Because Jesus, out of His amazing mercy, forgave us for all of our sins and saved us. With his life, death, and resurrection, and that is why we can have joy at all times, even in death and and that came home couldn't have come home more strongly uh, this past week as, as we celebrated Elsie Simpson's entrance into heaven at her funeral on Monday that that we can have joy even in death, and that joy comes from the Holy Spirit that because God is good he, he I'm going to remind you, going to end on this, as, as Elsie so often reminded so many of us in here, uh, no matter if things are going well or, or not so well, that God is good all the time. God is good all the time. So that joy in our hearts comes from the Holy Spirit. And I pray that that joy um, continues to be in your heart and your life um, Not only next moment, but the rest of today and tomorrow and the rest of this week. Um, And let that word influence you daily. In Jesus' name, amen. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.